I want to thank you for being here. We're starting a brand new series today. We're just simply calling the Holy Spirit. And in a time of renewal, you know, we've been talking the last month about renewal and how God is doing renewal inside of our hearts and lives. And at a time of renewal, it's very important that we know who the Holy Spirit is. It's very important that we know who He is. It's very important that we know His ways. We know how He acts. We know His presence. We, we're in tune with what He wants. It's, it's always important. But in a time of renewal, I think, it's, I think it's absolutely critical. So if you would turn to John chapter 3, as you're turning there, let me share with you quickly... Um, uh, what's coming at the end of this series. At the end of this series on February 28th, if you'd write that down, do not miss February 28th. It is a giant day. It's a huge day. Uh, we're calling it Missions Day. We have some really awesome announcements to make that day, and we're going to be sharing with you an immersive experience you saw on the screen a minute ago. Uh, it's actually going to end this series and it's going to launch uh, a long-term work that we're involved in as a church. So don't miss February 28th. <clears throat> It'll be a great day. Uh, how many of you would say uh, that you have some weird relatives? It's so funny. The, the, like, like, the, like the response I get from that is, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I could ask you 100 things and half of you wouldn't raise your hand for nothing. But right there... Now, here's what I want to ask you. How do you know you're not the strange one? How do you know there aren't people sitting somewhere else today raising their hand about you? How do we, uh, who knows? I, I, I've got a, um, an interesting family, family tree, and I, I hadn't met uh, all of my family or, or hadn't been in regular contact with all my family, but I grew up in the city, but I'm like one generation removed from the country, right? Like, I'm not a country person, but my dad grew up in the country, and when I say country, listen... I'm not talking about, you know, <laughs> I'm not talking about uh, Mayberry. I'm talking about, you know, barefooted hillbilly walking up hill both ways to school in the snow, eating dirt three times a day and liking it. I'm talking about country. Anybody know what I'm saying? I'm talking about out in the sticks. Like when we went and visited my relatives, we left the pavement. I'm talking about we're, we're out there in the middle of the woods where people just, it's like squatter's rights almost. I mean, we're out there. I'm talking about, so I had this relative, <clears throat> these relatives that lived in this old, um, I don't know, this old house with a metal tin roof, and the railroad tracks went, I'm talking uh, cl closer than here to those back doors to that cabin. You, you ever been in one of those hotels, you put a quarter in the bed and it shakes? You didn't have to pay for it here. I'm talking about, that train came through at three in the morning, that whole thing's rocking, bam, it's, it's rocking. And so, we're way out there in the country. Uh, they didn't have a, a toilet in the house. They had an outhouse. And, and boy, you, you would use the bathroom 800 times as a kid because the last thing you want to do is get up in the middle of the night and go out in the creepy country and a little creepy little outhouse use the bathroom. Out no, who knows what's living out there? And so I'm talking about straight-up country. And so uh, my, a relative I had, uh, uh, I don't know exactly what relation she was to me. I wasn't sure about all that. Uh, but we called her uh, uh, aunt. Now, if you're from the north, you're not going to understand this because you say aunt. And so in the south, we say aunt. It's not a bug. It's a relative. Uh, not aunt. 
ant. And that's what we say in the city in the south. If you're from the country in the south, we say ain't. <laughs> not aunt, not aunt, ain't. And so uh, it's not, it doesn't mean that, it's, that they're, they don't exist. They ain't real. It just means that it's an, it's an ain't. Anyway, so I had this relative na- named Aunt O'Daly. Swear, that's her name. Oh, that's what we called her. Who knows what her name was? Aunt O'Daly. I couldn't figure out why we called her old unless she was just old. I thought we called her old because she was old. I didn't really know why we called her old. But then I learned that she had a sister named Aunt Odessie. I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm telling you, like, legit names of people in my family. I, so I thought, was she old too or is old part of the name? I couldn't figure that out. Aunt O'Daly had a husband named Woodrow. I'm telling you the truth. Uh, and we called him Uncle Woodrow. And I remember going to a family reunion one time and meeting all these relatives around. It's like a circus, meeting all these relatives around. And then I learned one day that he's not my uncle. He's just Uncle Woodrow to everybody, but he's not my uncle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I was like thoroughly confused. And then we had a relative who I never met. I guess he died before I was old enough to meet him. He had reached legendary status because I heard people talk about him all the time. His name was Uncle Brother. I'm not making this up. Uncle, was it uncle or was it brother? I could figure out. And look, he had been called that so long, nobody left living remembered why. Nobody, I said, where did they go? Oh, we don't know. Nobody knows. He's uncle brother. I, thoroughly confusing to me to have an uncle brother. And then when I would go out in the country where my dad was from, we'd be driving through all these country roads and stuff, and, and he'd always point to this one spot over there. I don't remember. It's a little shack or something that burned down. He goes, yeah, that's old Searle's place right there. Searle. Searle's place. I never know what a Searle was. To this day, I don't know what a Searle is. I don't know if it's a family, a person. I don't know what it is. But that's old Searle's place right there. Uh, my family was very confusing to me. Uh, I didn't exactly know where everybody belonged. So, you know, at the family reunion, I just decided to give up and eat the banana pudding. That's kind of how I resolved it because uh, I didn't really know where everybody fit. But here's what I found is interesting. We learn to relate to people based on how they fit in the structures we understand. Let me say that again. We learn to relate to people based on how they fit in the structures we understand. So we say, I understand who this lady is because she's grandmother. I understand who this man is because he's uncle. Or at work we say, I understand who this is because this is CEO or this is a shift manager or this is co-worker. So I understand who they are because they fit in the structures I understand. It's funny how the person of God we have the most confusion over doesn't fit in any of our structures. So we naturally relate to God as father because even if you had a bad father or didn't have an absentee father, you probably know someone who had a good father. So you can at least relate to the role naturally. I know what a dad is. I know what a father is. It's a point of reference for you to understand. God is a good father, and and God is kind of like father. And then we have this role, uh, uh, this person of the Trinity. We naturally relate to God as son, And so this is who Jesus is. We understand that Jesus was a good son. He obeyed his father. He followed his father. He acted like his father. And he became a son so that we could identify with him. Because you and I are sons and daughters of God. So that's why that Jesus became a son. But when we say Holy Spirit, like I got no point of reference for that. Unfortunately, the closest thing that we can get to in our understanding is almost all negative. It's a ghost. (laughs) 
or a goblin or a creature or, or, or a, 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 a presence or an essence or, or a, it's a haunted place. I mean, that's the closest thing that we have. Spirit is a formless essence. We don't have a natural way to relate. So we're tempted, watch this, we're tempted to devalue the role of the Holy Spirit because that He doesn't fit in any of our natural structures. We're tempted to devalue. We're tempted because we don't know where He fits. In this series, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you by filling in some of the blanks. When we think about the Holy Spirit, it's almost like a fill-in-the-blank test, and we don't know the answer. I want to fill in those blanks with some pictures. I don't know if you know it or not. This is a very important subject because for hundreds of years in the church, centuries in the church... We focused on God the Father and God the Son, but we almost entirely neglected God the Holy Spirit because He didn't fit. We didn't know where He fit. And it's only in the last hundred years in Christianity we've even begun to talk about the third person of the Trinity or the person of God as the Holy Spirit. So God in His wisdom... And God in His love gave us some pictures to help us relate to Him. So we've narrowed down four of the most often used pictures in Scripture of the Holy Spirit. And that's what this whole series is going to be on. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit is like, like a wind. He's like water. He's like fire. And He's like oil. And so that's what we're going to talk about in this series is who the Holy Spirit is. And I want to use these pictures to encourage your relationship with Him. So, who's the Holy Spirit? He's not like a father. He's not like a son. But watch this. He is like the wind. The Holy Spirit is like the wind. Have you ever seen the wind? No. But I've seen its effect. When we lived in coastal Mississippi, there was a hurricane coming through. It wasn't Hurricane Katrina, but it was another one coming through. And there, there was, a, a, I, I wanted to, you know, I'm, a, I'm an inland person. I grew up inland all my life. I don't know much about all of this. So I decided I wanted to go experience a hurricane. I wanted to figure out what it was like. So I went out in my backyard, you know, yes, right, I know. I understand how stupid I am. Uh, but I'm exercising humility right now. I went out in my backyard, and I stood just off the back porch, off the back patio in the yard, and there's a 100-mile wind blowing. And man, you were talking about a ride. <laughs> you stand out there at a 100-mile-an-hour wind blowing through your hair, and the trees are bowing down, and, and, and uh, old patio furniture is turning end over end, tumbling down the street. Debris flying. And look, if you've ever been in, in a high wind, you know what I'm talking about. Everything was moving. Everything. Everything was creaking. And you could hear it tearing and moving and shifting. Everything around me was moving. Uh, in Hurricane Katrina, my neighbor's house across the street, they had a picture window upstairs. The wind blew straight through it, went downstairs, came out the back of the house, and the entire back wall of the house fell off like it was made with Legos, just filleted off in the backyard. You could just drive down the street, and you could see their kitchen, and their living room straight across the back of the house. It was off. Can you see the wind? No. But you can see its effect. You can see what's happening around you. Have you ever sat in the warm spring weather and felt a cool breeze on your face? You can't see the wind, but you know the wind. 
You can't see the Holy Spirit, but you can see His effect on things. You know the wind is blowing when you see the trees moving. You know the Holy Spirit is moving when you see people's lives changing. You see His effect. You see His result. You see what He's doing. You can't see the Holy Spirit, but you can feel Him. It reminds me, uh, several years ago, we went to Disney World, and I went to Animal Kingdom. How many of you have been to Animal Kingdom? But Animal Kingdom, good, you, you might even know the ride I went on. Uh, Animal Kingdom is sort of decorated out like the landscape of Africa. And they got this big old giant tree, the great tree, the big tree, the whatever tree, right in the middle of Animal Kingdom. And it's the coolest place I've ever been because you go to the bottom of it, and there's like a whole movie theater in the bottom of this African tree. How cool is that? Like man cave on drugs, right? I mean, this thing is blown up. You're down there in the man cave in the bottom of the tree. You're in this theater. And this isn't no normal theater. This is like an experience theater. Because when like a, a millions of rats go running by on the screen, you feel them on your legs. Woo! And you hear people, ah! You're like, ooh, this isn't just a movie. It's cool. Then somebody sneezes and then a little drip of something goes in your face. Oh, what just happened? Anybody been there? You know what I'm talking about? And there's this one moment in the middle of this, this whole swarm of bees comes flying right at you. Maybe it's 3D or something. And all of a sudden, everybody in the theater goes, oh, there's this little stinger thing that pops out the back of the chair you're sitting in and just pops you a little bit. No, it's not electric or anything. But to me, this is what the Holy Spirit's like. It was a gentle poke. It didn't hurt. But everyone looked around at everybody else in the room at the same time and said, did you feel that? Did you feel that? That was wild. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit's like. Did you feel that? Do you, he's moving. Did you feel that? People, you hear that? People's lives are changing. Is there something inside your heart that registers what's going on there? Did you, can you discern? Can you hear? He's moving. He's talking. He's comforting. He's nudging. He's encouraging. He's challenging. He's guiding. The Holy Spirit is like the wind. He is the Holy Spirit, and He speaks to our spirit, and He speaks spiritually. And that's a whole different deal. He's like the wind. John chapter 3, Jesus is talking with uh, a great teacher, a Pharisee, a teacher of the law, a guy who had given his entire life to become a professional religious leader. And some people say he was actually the top religious leader in Jerusalem. I, we don't know for sure. I should say I don't know for sure. But he was an important teacher and leader. And he's talking to Jesus, and so Jesus says this to him in John 3, 5. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of spirit and, I'm sorry, born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Now look at this verse. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going so it is with everyone born in the Spirit. When you read the Bible and you see the word spirit, wind, or breath, not always, but most of the time, all three of those words come from one word. They're the same word. Spirit, or wind, or breath, 
And it is the word for the Holy Spirit or the working of the Holy Spirit. Many times in the Bible when you hear about the wind blowing, that is the Holy Spirit working. In verse 8, this verse says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. Now that's a, that's a very interesting thought. So if the wind blows wherever it pleases, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know where it's going. I don't know what it's up to. It's just this unpredictable thing. Then I've got a question for you this morning. How do you catch the wind? How do you catch the wind? I mean, so many times in our life, we try to catch the wind with our senses. We try to catch the wind with our mind. We try to live effective lives in our own strength. And to me, it reminds me of of walking around with a tennis racket saying, you know, I think I'm going to get it this time. What happened? Where'd the wind go? Where'd the wind go? I know what it is. It's a good overhand. No, it's a backhand. And we just go through life swatting around trying to find a way to catch the wind and fix this and fix that and fix our life and repair this and make this work and drive it through and find what we're here for and do something important and significant and live a purposeful life. We're just swatting away trying to catch the wind. Trying to live in our own wisdom, trying to live our own hurried lifestyle, going after things. You'll never catch the wind with a tennis racket. So sometimes we say, oh, that's not it, but let me tell you what is it. I'll catch the wind with a box. That didn't have enough walls. So I'm just going to sit here and wait. Come on, hit me with it. Hit me with it. You think it's in there? What do you got? You got air, you got no wind. You got oxygen, you got no wind. I know, I know, I know, I know. I didn't close it. I didn't close it quick enough. Think there's anything in there? No. And you want to know why? Because we want to control, and we want to decide, and we want to box in, and we want to border, and we want to hold on to. You'll never catch the wind in a box. There's only one way I know to catch the wind. And it comes from the nautical world. Like a sailboat. If you want to catch the wind, you have to raise your sail. You have to lift your sail up and catch the wind in a sail. Now, you can't really catch the wind, but watch this. If you raise your sail, you will go... The same way the wind is going, if you, if you raise your sail. Sometimes we're like a guy rowing a boat. Have you ever, have you ever rowed a boat before? It's not, it, look, it looks easy and it's not. If, if you have one arm's a little stronger than the other, you'll paddle a little harder and you're trying to move across the body of water and the nose will be going like this, zigzagging from one side to the other and you're just trying to keep it straight and you're fighting the choppy water and you're fighting the wind and you're fighting the current and you're trying to keep a consistent direction, you're trying to keep moving and this is what life is like without the Holy Spirit. You're just working and sweating and chopping and pushing and wondering why this thing won't ever move like it's supposed to move. But following the Holy Spirit's like traveling in a boat with a large sail. Watch this. You still have an important role. Your role is to lift the sail. Your role is to take care of the boat. But you don't provide the energy, you don't provide the fuel, and you don't provide the direction. 
But you do get to go where the boat's going. You do get to be part of it. You do get to be in on it. But he's the energy source and he's the fuel. Have you ever seen uh, one of those children's toys? Um, I saw one. I remember the first time I saw one, I thought, what black magic is this? <laughs> one of those little kids' toys that, that uh, it's a little truck or a train or a car, whatever. But it's got this technology in it that when it runs up into a wall, it'll sit there for a minute and think. Then it'll back up and go another way. You ever seen one of those? Dak, 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 dak. Back, 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 back. You ever seen those? Anybody ever see those but me? Anybody? Yes? Fascinating. I thought, what sorcery is this? This thing has a brain. That's what it reminds me of when we try to live life without the Holy Spirit. Because we go one direction and we run into something and we stop and we redirect and we run into something and we stop and we redirect and we run into something. And really what's setting the course of our life are the things we keep running into. We're not guided from inside, we're guided by all the things outside. And we redirect and redirect and redirect based on all those things outside, but we never really gain direction from inside. So here's the question this morning. Are you guided by your problems or are you guided by the Holy Spirit? Are you going to keep rowing the boat and chopping away at the water or are you going to raise your sail? So this morning, if you got something to write with, I want to give you three ways to raise your sail. Here's the first one. You have to learn to hear God's voice. And the reason I say learn is because none of us start good at it. <laughs> none of us start good at it. That ought to be phenomenally encouraging to you. Because nobody's just this child prodigy that just pops out of the womb hearing God. I know his voice. I know him well. No, 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 no. We're all sheep. And everybody starts kind of in the same place on this. Everyone who's good at it started not good at it. And so John 10, 27, Jesus is talking and he says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep know my voice, hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. There's this closeness of relationship that the Bible describes between you and God that, it, that is a description of Him talking and you hearing. Or Him guiding and you following. There's this closeness and nearness. Now, I want to give you this morning just a kind of a random list of some ways that God speaks. I'm not saying this is every way God speaks. I'm just saying here's some of the ways God speaks. Some of the way God talks to you and leads you. Uh, God speaks through dreams. You can hear God's voice in dreams. Now, look, I'm not saying every dream you dream is God talking to you. It might be the, you know, extra large pepperoni pizza you ate right before you went to bed. It might be the movie you just watched that you shouldn't have watched. It might be the fear you've been dwelling on and living in, and you don't need to be living in that fear, and now it's popping up in your dreams and haunting you while you sleep. However, it might also be God. God speaks through dreams. God speaks through other people. He speaks through Christian leaders and teachers and friends and family. And He speaks through internal impressions. Just You could call them nudges, little, little senses. Did you feel that? Just something like that. little something inside. He speaks through sentence fragments and thoughts. Sometimes a thought or a, or a, a sentence fragment will pop into your head. And it'll be the Holy Spirit just saying, hey, I want you to think about this, or I want you to do this, or here's the answer to what you've been looking for. 
You've been running around everywhere looking for that. Here's the answer. Here's what you've been seeking. And so he speaks that way. He speaks uh, through intuition. Maybe I'd call it an intuitive knowing. He speaks through pictures and images. He speaks through the church. And, and, and the one I want to talk about a few minutes this morning, because I think it's the starting point, is he speaks through the Bible. God speaks through the Bible. The Bible is the clearest understanding of God's voice we have because in the Bible we learn God's character. In the Bible we learn the difference in His voice and, and our voice. In His voice and other people's voices. The Bible cl- helps us mo- more clearly understand. So in the Bible we learn about God's character and His mercy, His priorities, His love. The best way I know to learn to hear God's voice is to read the Bible. So uh, uh, just go with me for a minute. How do you and I learn to think? How do we learn to think? How do we learn the thoughts that we think? Where do we get the thoughts that we think? Well, we learn from our parents. We listen to our parents as children, and their thoughts oftentimes become our thoughts. We learn at school. We sit in school for thousands of hours, from preschool to kindergarten, all the way up, maybe through college, maybe more. And we we listen to all these thoughts, and all these thoughts fill our mind, and that's how we learn what to think. And in our day and age, most of the time, unfortunately... We also learn through movies. Movies put a lot of thoughts in our mind. and The internet puts a lot of thoughts in our mind. And television puts a lot of thoughts in our mind. And most of what flows into our mind, I want you to key on on this, are man's thoughts. Most of what flows in our mind, we have millions and millions of man's thoughts, of people's thoughts, human thoughts running through our mind. And so, since we have had millions of people's thoughts flooded into our mind, we tend to hear people's voices. I don't mean like, the voice made me do it. I don't mean that. I mean our thinking is informed by, by, the, by the voices and the things around us and the things that we hear. Have you ever heard anyone say, or have you ever said, you know what, that sounds just like something that person would say. How, how, how would you know that? Because you know their thoughts. You can say that because you've listened to them a long time. You know their thoughts. That sounds just like something that person would say. Do you know, do you know God's thoughts? Can you say that about God? That sounds just like something God would say. When an impression comes to your heart, when a dream fills you as you sleep, when a scripture jumps off the page, when you see something in life, in a circumstance or a moment, can you say, that sounds just like something God would say? Do you know God's thoughts? Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Fill your mind with God's thoughts. So the best way we had to do that is we read the Bible. Now, if, to, if you're a guest today, uh, forgive me, hang on with me just for a second. You won't understand everything I'm about to say because it's something we've been doing the last month. But if you've been here the last month or, or throughout the year last year, we've been doing SOAP readings, S-O-A-P, Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. We've been taking parts of the Bible and we've been reading them and interacting with them. And why would we do that? Why would we do that? Why do we do a fast every year? Why do we do devotions? Why do we ask you to read certain parts of the Bible? Why do we do that? Because we want you and we need God's thoughts to fill our mind. Why do we need God's thoughts in our mind? Because when we have God's thoughts in our mind, we can hear God's voice. 
And when we don't have God's thoughts in our mind, well, we have trouble. We're challenged. I don't really know what God wants me to do. I don't really know what the right thing to do is here. I'm not really sure what the next step is. But the more you know God's thoughts, the more you begin to recognize, the more you fill your mind with God's thoughts of the Bible, watch this, the more you will be able to recognize His voice everywhere else. You will begin to hear Him in places you never expected to hear Him. Thoughts will pop up and arise in your mind. Things in conversation, things people say, and you'll begin to say, hey, wait a minute, that's God. God's like a radio station that is constantly broadcasting all the time. And you will get on his wavelength and begin to receive some of those broadcasting thoughts when his thoughts are in your mind. He's behind conversations and he's behind stories and he's behind circumstances and he's behind impressions and lingering thoughts. Now let me tell you the best best news about all this, okay? You don't have to master the Bible to get there. I know some of you might be like, well I could never get there. I could never, never, never do that. Listen, listen, pull up a chair and listen to me. If I can do it, you can do it. Let me tell you why. Because I hate to read. I hate reading. My definition of suicide is put me in a room with a library of books, lock the door and make me read, and slide food under there till I die, which will be about 14 minutes. I do not have the attention span. I do not enjoy the art of reading. I do read because it's the only way to get certain information. But I don't enjoy the exercise. I want to go outside and I want to throw stuff and build stuff and break stuff and burn stuff and blow stuff up. I want to do something. Sit in here and read and look out the window and think of all the things I could be doing right now instead of this. So if God in his mercy can help somebody like me, (laughs) he can help you. You don't have to master the Bible. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to be a religious professional. You don't have to have any of that. Matter of fact, You have been, you know what we've been doing the last hour? Filling you with his thoughts. We've been reading scripture. We've been looking at scripture. We've been singing scripture. When Justin led this morning, he read scripture to you. You will leave this morning better able to know his voice because you came today. And it doesn't have to be any harder than that. I remember when I was a teenager, um... I was at youth camp one year. I think I was maybe 16. And look, don't think youth camp, maybe it's like the one you've been to, maybe it's not. This, this was, we were in Nashville. Uh, the only building on the property that had air conditioning was the cafeteria. So we love to eat. This is the only place to get out of the heat. When are we going to eat again? The cabins didn't have air. The bathrooms didn't have air. The, 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 the chapel, let me tell you what that means a tent in the yard that the flaps we'd peel back so, so by God's mercy a breeze would come through every now and then. And it was hot. That summer in Nashville it was 100 degrees in the heat of the day. And we were sunburned and a hot. And I remember one night being down at that altar praying. It was a bunch of us. And we were down there praying about an hour. And let me tell you something. We are down there sweating and praying and sweating and praying. And I'm going to tell you, I don't care what anybody says. Ain't nothing godly about sweating while you pray. I promise you. It's a hindrance, if anything. Get you some good air conditioning and go pray like Jesus intended for you to. 
We were down there praying and sweating. And, and I remember something happened that, uh, to be honest with you, it's so moving. To, it's fresh. I can remember it like it was yesterday. It's the first time I can remember understanding that God didn't want me to just read the Bible and learn about Him. But He wanted to have an active relationship with me and He wanted to talk to me. And He did. I felt an impression in my heart. And I said, I, I don't know what that is. I wonder what that is. And I can remember God just sort of whispering, putting a little thought in my mind. It's me, and I want to talk to you, and I want you to learn to hear my voice. I want you to learn to hear me, and I, God, it overwhelmed me so much. I, I thought, why, why, why? I'm just a teenager. I'm just a kid. I've, I've been saved like maybe a year. Why don't you talk to somebody important? Why don't you talk to somebody that's going to do something big? Why would you want to talk to me? overwhelming to me God said I want, I want to talk to you and it was so overwhelming to me that there was a friend I had down there at the, at the altar and I started telling him hey you know what God wants to talk to you <laughs> just turned it on him I don't be by myself turn it on him God wants to talk to you and we sat there in that little uh, tent and prayed and can I tell you something God began to speak to my friend's heart and they began to cry and you could just see that whole moment change and they said yeah I said see that's God talking to you they said, yes, it is. And it may sound silly to some of you, but to some of you, I bet it doesn't. It was a revelation to me. Maybe you've known that all your life. I didn't know that all my life. I mean, it was brand new. If you're going to catch the wind, you have to learn to hear God's voice. And it's easier than you think. Here's the second one. Pray. <laughs> Pray. Now, I don't mean recite a prayer. I'm not talking about a monologue. I'm talking about a dialogue. Prayer is a conversation, and every one of us has to learn that because prayer seems like such a ritual. It seems like such a formal thing, like applying for a government grant. You know, you got to fill in all the boxes just right and don't mess up. And if you mess a number up or don't tell exactly what they're looking for here, you could get in a lot of trouble, and you got to say it just right. Prayer can feel so intense to us because of our own mindset we bring into it. Am I praying the right words? Am I saying the right thing? Look, for most of us, the biggest challenge in prayer is I just don't know what to say. I get there and I don't know what to say and can I just tell you that's okay then say that <laughs> I prayed that before well, especially when I was a lot younger in faith I'd say God I, like I know I'm supposed to get here so I came but I don't know what to say so I'm going to say that you know what you just did you prayed that's prayer that's not warm up that's not dress rehearsal. That's actual prayer happening. And we begin to have all these religious and legalistic and guilt-driven thoughts. You know, am I good enough to deserve an answer? Am I doing this right? And look, prayer's not any of those things. It's about having a conversation with God. He doesn't want you to come in a perfect way. He just wants you to show up. So I think about it like this. Sometimes when I pray, I'll just get a chair, and then I'll get one... Uh, and sit beside it, and I'll just say, <sighs> okay. 
this is my chair. God, this is your chair. What are we going to talk about? Here we are. You know, in one of the hardest times of my life, uh, when I was in a deep crisis, I did that not every day, but most days for a little while. And you know, my soul healed because I was just, I found out the purpose of prayer wasn't so much about getting things done, it was about being with God. So many times we think prayer is the means to an end. Prayer is the goal. It's not the means to get things done. It's the goal. So I would just sit with God and say, Lord, here I am. What, what should we talk about today? I love you. I'm glad I have this time to be with you. I really enjoy being here with you. This is precious to me. I love your presence and I... I love how you've taught me. I love your word. I love the things you've said to me. I love the way you've took care of me when I didn't know what I needed next. I love that you've given me wisdom and things that when I didn't know what to do. Lord, I'm, I'm just grateful to be here. I appreciate your presence so much. And then, and then, you, you and you have this conversation. And God says, good. That's what I wanted. I just want to be with you. And so, to hear His voice, you have to, you have to do prayer. You have to learn to pray. And fortunately, if, if this invitation to prayer is not enough, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit even helps us pray. Romans 8 says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Oh, thank God. Because I'm not a professional at this. I didn't come to this through like four generations of training. I'm an outsider, a newbie. I didn't know what to do. He helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes through us. Through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. He knows God's mind and he knows your heart. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with... You don't have to worry about praying perfectly because you have the Holy Spirit who's praying perfectly for you. Woo-hoo-hoo. That's a whole different day. So the stress is off. The pressure is off. If you're going to catch the wind, you got to learn to pray. And it's much easier than you think. Here's the last one. Live a surrendered life. There's never been a better example of that than Jesus. In John 8, 28, uh, Jesus said, when, 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 when you have lifted up the Son of Man, in other words, when you nail me to the cross and hang me up high there, Then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do what pleases Him. Always? I always do what pleases Him. Jesus perfectly pleased God. He always said what God told him to say. He always did what God told him to do. He always went where God told him to go. 
He always pleased his father. Jesus' sail was always up because he lived in such intense surrender. Jesus' prayer before he died challenges me so much because Jesus is trying to find if there's another way to please his father other than dying on the cross. And Jesus in his own humanity says, Look, I don't want to do that. If we can work this out another way, I would really appreciate it. I don't want to do this. And the Father says, there's no other way. And Jesus says, well, not what I want, but what you want. I surrender. Sail is up. Since you and I can't perfectly surrender, what does a surrendered life look like for us? Well, let me ask you a couple of questions. When is the last time you looked at your life and said, I have changed for the better? When's the last time you looked at your life and said, I'm growing, I'm maturing? I don't, I don't have the same hang-up I had last year. I'm not the person I used to be. The person I was a year or two years ago, I'm growing and I'm changing. When's the last time you looked around your life and said, God showed me this or God spoke to me or God helped me or God did that or He guided me or He gave me wisdom? If you're going to catch the wind, you have to surrender. An unsurrendered life it's like that child's toy that just keeps bumping into stuff and backing up and bumping into stuff and backing up and bumping into stuff and it is driven and directed by everything around it, not by what's inside it. So, a few years ago I'm praying with a dad that's in a custody battle and it's an ugly, it's a, I don't think there's a pretty one, but this is an ugly one. And he's praying, and he's just pouring his heart out, telling me all this stuff. And I'm sitting there listening to him, and I'm going, Oh, Lord, I don't know what to say. I don't know, I don't know what to tell him. I don't know what to tell him. I've never been through this. I, I, I don't, he's, just, he's just hurting. There's so much inner conflict in his life. You can feel the tension. He's exhausted. He doesn't want to go on. He doesn't know what to do. He's a good man. He's a godly man. And he's just struggling. And, and when he stopped talking, I said, Hey, let's just pray. And I prayed for a minute, and in my mind, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, please help me understand what to, what to do here. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And, and the Holy Spirit put a thought in my mind, and He said, tell Him that I said He's not a failure. I, I didn't even know we were on that subject. I said, tell Him. So I said, I, I, I just as I was praying for you, I believe... God wants you to know that you're not a failure. And that big old guy melted like a puddle and began to cry and weep. And the tension that was in him was released. And the Spirit of God refreshed him that day. And he gained the energy he needed. Dragging around the guilt of that situation of, am I a good dad or a bad dad and, and all this. It washed all that away and it gave him the energy to keep moving forward positively. I didn't know that. Is it important if the sale's up? 
you, you have a family who battles cancer and the doctor says, you've got to do this procedure. And they say, okay, I guess we got it. It's going to be bad, it's going to hurt, and it's going to change your life permanently. And they withdraw and seek the presence of God and it seems like God through His Word and through prayer says, back up and try this other way. Who am I? The doctor's the doctor. He knows more about medicine than I do. But God says, go this way. They go the way, and it changed everything. The procedure's not needed, and another path is found, and healing is found in another way, and it's not permanent, and all that changes. Does it matter if the sale's up? I'm telling you, it matters. You have a young couple who's offered a great job and they look at that and say, oh boy, that would be the job we've always dreamed of. We'll just have to relocate and move and leave our family and do this. And they take it to prayer and the Holy Spirit says, don't do it. And they listen and six months later that company closes. Is it important if the sale's up? I I know a man and his wife who had the greatest challenge with their teenage daughter. I'm talking about they were at odds and odds and odds. Struggle, 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 struggle. And he backed up and just prayed and said, God, I don't know what else to do. I've said everything I know to say. I've done everything I know to do. What do I do? And the Holy Spirit said, write her a letter and inside it put this. And he took a whole different approach he would have never thought of. He wrote that letter. It broke her heart walls came down and forgiveness began to flow for the first time in two years. Does it matter if the sales are up? Yes! It matters about life. It matters about work. It matters about family. It matters about relationships. It matters about everything. See, I'll tell you how I want it. I want spirituality to matter when I do it not matter when I don't. Are you that way? I want it to really matter. I'm like, when I pray, man, I want it to shake the universe. But when I don't pray, I don't want it to matter. But it's not like that, is it? It matters. It matters when the sale's down. And it matters when the sale's up. So this morning, it might be time to raise your sail. Would you stand with me today? And I just want to pray with you before we leave. Would you just get into a place that you're comfortable, that you you don't have to move? You can just kind of stand there and and think with me for a minute. I'm going to ask our prayer team if you'd come. I want you to pray with me this morning, and I want you to ask God if He wants to change something in your life. I want you to pray with me and ask God, God, are you changing something in my life? Do you want to change something in my life? I want you just to start to ask Him, Holy Spirit, are you changing something in my life? Is there something you want to change? Is there something that you're doing? Is there something in me that you want to do something different with? Just ask Him. Right now, just begin to ask Him. Holy Spirit, I look, I look to you and I ask you, are you changing my life this morning? What, what are you doing in my life? I'm asking you to help me to see it. And maybe, maybe you already know what it is, but here's what I want you to do. If you know an area the Holy Spirit is changing in your life, if you know an area, maybe while you're praying there, God just pops a thought in your mind or nudges an impression. If, if, that, if, if you know what that is or you just thought what it is, as we're praying, would you just lift your hand and say, man, I, I, that's it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Just lift it and put it right back down. Yes. Yes. 
Yeah, this is what, yeah. I'm, I'm looking in the balcony. Just, just lift your hand up and say, yep, that's it. I got it. Yeah. Just lift your hand. Just lift your hand. Put it right back down. Yes, I know what it is. Yeah, God's talking to me today. Yes, I see your hand. Yeah, God's talking to me today. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you're like that one thing we said, it's time to surrender something. Man, God's been talking to you. God's been working on you. It's time to surrender. So It's time to raise the sail and surrender something. And I'm telling you, this is going to be a giant big one today. I'm telling you, it's big. God wants you to surrender something this morning. He wants you to lay it down. I'm going to talk to you in just a second right before we pray. But maybe you're here today and you say, Hey, I, I don't need, I'm not even close to God, to be honest with you. I don't even know if I believe this. I don't, I don't even, I don't even, I'm not close to him. I don't know if I believe this. Let me tell you something. You don't have to. You put up your sail and you'll catch the wind. <laughs> you, you don't have to. The wind's blowing. The spirit is like the wind. He's moving. You put your sail up and, and you'll catch the wind. And he'll touch you today. You don't have to, you don't have to know everything. You don't even have to be close to God. Maybe you're a Christian and you're here this morning. And you say, you know what? To be honest with you, I've been living far away from God. And I'm not being very close to him. I want to tell you something this morning. You don't have to earn your way back. You don't have to work your way back. You don't have to, you don't have to be good. You don't have to do enough good stuff now to balance out the bad stuff you've been doing. All you have to do is raise your sail. And the Spirit will touch you. The Holy Spirit will touch you. So this morning, if you're here today and you say, look, it's change, it's surrender, it's, it's I'm not very close to God. But man, today I want to lift my sail. Would you just raise your hand and say, today I want to raise my sail. Today I want to, come on, lift it up. Today I want to raise my sail. Today I want to raise my sail. Yeah, today I want to raise my sail and catch the wind. I'm going to pray with you, but before I do, I just want to say to the, those of you who God is dealing with you on surrender, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And I'm telling you, it will have to be dramatic. It'll have to be dramatic. Lord, I thank you today for your presence. I thank you for that the wind of the Spirit is blowing in this place. And Lord, as we come to prayer this morning, I pray that you would minister your grace and power in Jesus' name. If you lifted your hand, I want you to come right now and I want you to pray with one of the prayer team and say, would you just pray with me? God's dealing with me to surrender something. God's dealing with me to, to a change in my life. God's dealing with me. I want you to come right now.